you want to be seen and you want to feel that a place was prepared for you. <laughs> to quote <Yeah>. Jesus, <laughs> did Jesus say that? <laughs> you can totally quote Jesus. I love that nobody asks about like whether or not they can cuss. The thing they ask is, can I quote Jesus on this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Am I able to? Is this like explicit content? Friends, thank you so much for joining us for this week's Making Spaces podcast. I'm so excited to introduce to you Riley Hall, a dear friend of mine, an incredible designer who works in the staging industry. Our conversation went everywhere from how to lay out a room to make it more inviting to why everyone should have a signature candle. This show will first air while we are all still experiencing COVID-19 social distancing. And so it may seem weird to talk about gathering spaces, but everything we talk about pertains to your personal space. And maybe if you are experiencing this downtime, you could reimagine the gathering spaces that we're all going to one day return to. So here is my inspiring conversation with Riley Hall. I really want to talk to you about as a designer and as someone who creates space, um, Mm -hmm. kind of what do you think like emotionally is happening for people in spaces and then what do you think people can do? So the, the first month we're talking about clauses, both metaphorically and physically, Mm-hmm. So Christian closets, but also like the fact that closets and closets have very similar feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's cluttered, it's stressful, it's, and so the idea of like, how does design combat that kind of stuff? And um, yeah, I just thought it would be really fun to talk to you as one of my favorite designers. Um, the person who I made organize my um all of the every time I hang stuff on the wall, which doesn't make sense to anyone else, because I can, I can decorate anyone else's home. But when it comes to my home, like, I think I'm I'm in a year long process to choose a rug, because <laughs> it's such a commitment, you know. It is a commitment. Yeah. So it um, is. The first question I ask everyone on this um, on this podcast. I mean, I like saying I've always asked everyone because it's you know I've only recorded about four of these, but. The question I always ask is, uh, what is your favorite space? And it can be a bar. It can be a church. It can be uh, some somewhere in your home. Like, if I think, like, what is your favorite space? And if you can't think of favorite, like, what is a space that you really like? Ooh, that's a good question. I know. When you ask a designer that, you really should, like, prep them. <laughs> well, there's, like, four different things that come to my mind, four different spaces. Um, you can share them all. Okay, I will say my favorite space, the first place that came to my mind, isn't a space in my house, isn't um, any place I've ever lived, but it's this little, this tiny little bar in Belltown, which is an area here in Seattle that, um, it's called Bathtub Gin, and it's literally this nondescript door. I guess you'd call it a speakeasy, but it's not really branded like that, but it's just this little door in this kind of shady uh, <laughs> alley that you don't always feel super safe walking down at night but um, you're really painting them. a picture as an artist <laughs> you're really painting a picture of this mm-hmm. but the thing is there's a man standing outside you talk to him they let like 35 people in it's this tiny little two-story bar that's super dark um it's super cozy super intimate and you know from the minute you walk in, it's a special place. And all the chairs, everyone in there is super close to each other. And every time I've gone in there with somebody, whether it's, um, you know, my family's in town or friends in town, it's where I always take them because it just, this space just like, 
makes you have deep conversations. It makes you share secrets. Ah. Like it's just this really cool space and you're really close to the people next to you. And so you're kind of forced to talk quietly with the person that you're there with. Yes. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's this cool, cool space that I've never been to another place that has evoked that kind of emotion. So that's the first place that comes to my mind. Riley, that's amazing. I can't wait for us to go there. Nice. You come up here. I'll take you there. We can walk there. <laughs> I love it. Better than the sports bar we went to last time. That was not like, that did not elicit oh my close conversations. <laughs> that was so loud. But yes, there is that like, when you're sitting, oh, I love that. Like the, the way the place is set up, it um, elicits intimacy. Yeah, totally. And a lot of and I think that's missed out on a lot of places, whether it's like home or restaurants or something like that. But I think it's something that you definitely should think about if you're designing your living room or something to, you know, decide like when I meet with people, I'm like, okay, they want to redo their living room or I work in staging. And so a lot of what I do is there's kind of a difference between staging and interior design. I'll say yeah. that. Um, whereas staging, you're, it's more editorial and you're less, you actually don't want to create emotion when you're staging. You kind of want people to come in Ooh. and it's a house that they're potentially looking to buy or, you know, it's an editorial shoot or something and you're not wanting to create emotion when they walk in. So no, uh, you know, like religious artifacts or nothing alcohol related. There's just some rules that with staging are different Ooh. than interior design. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that funny? Like, because you don't want you don't want a story to already exist because you want people to write their story in there. And if they see something that's like, well, that's against my story. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Like we want, and you know, people are walking through homes and they're seeing pictures of the family who lived there, or even a dog toy or a cat toy. Like it's evoking. Maybe they're allergic to an animal. It's just going to evoke all these emotions in them. So with staging, there's interesting ways to we try to eliminate all that to where you know when you're designing a house that you're going to live in it's totally different you want those things in there you want um the art in there to evoke emotion that's personal to you and um you want the layout or something to like evoke um conversation and promote whatever you want you know that that room to emote and uh, it's just different with interior design and staging so it's been fun trying to find that balance between the two for the different jobs that I kind of do. When you're doing a staging job, so you do both staging and design, right? I do mostly staging. I do some design on the side. Um, it's mostly just curating furniture for people. Mm. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's mostly staging. And when you're doing staging, the idea is to sort of erase the story in some ways. Yeah, yeah. You want kind of a blank palette for when people, when they walk in, that they can picture themselves there, that they, that the furniture and the accessories and the art is um, beautiful and mm -hmm. looks well curated, but it's something that they can attain, they, something that they could do on their own. Oh, and, you interesting. Know, it's funny, like we, it's when I do a consultation with people, I'll um, like, I'll tell them we want it to make it aspirational, but attainable. So we want them to come in and, you know, we'll mix and match furniture. We'll have some new stuff, some old stuff, some vintage stuff mm -hmm. to where if somebody, you know, hates mid-century modern furniture, they're going <laughs> to walk in 
and they're going to maybe see one piece in mid-century, but they're going to see, you know, another piece that's like, oh, that kind of looks like the coffee table I have. You know, I could get my house to look like this. And they're going to have, like, this psychological response to the space when they walk in. If they see something that they is familiar to them, something similar to what they have. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a funny little, little psychological trick. You're trying to... Uh... Gosh, that's such a balance. I didn't even think about that. Because you want to make it look like a place that can be lived in. You don't want it to be sterile. Mm-hmm. Right? Because people are asking you to create. You're not. They're not asking you to walk into like a blank space. Right. So right. it has to say you can live here. But not elicit or share what already is in there in some ways. Right? Yeah. Like we want them. It's just. It's so funny when people are looking at buying a house, say, they, there's mm-hmm. certain things that you can't control. You can't control how many rooms it has, how many, no, you how many of the square footage, <laughs> or how high the ceilings are, something like that. But you can control what, how they feel when they walk in. And mm. so if they walk in and all the art's facing them in the room and all the furniture, you're not walking into the back of the sofa, like <laughs> everything like welcomes you in, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, we can control that. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, it's, when people sell their houses, it's a, it's one of the most stressful things that somebody can oh. do. You know this, right? 100%. Like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's, there's just a lot to it. I mean, you're trying to get your place ready. You're looking for a new place, potentially. There's you're emotions like, involved. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think about, I mean, just a personal thing with you, you're, your first house. Well, that was your first house that you bought, right? Yeah, and, and like, guess well, what? It's still own it. I have renters in it. Oh, but like I totally, I know. I did the California thing. I own it, but I don't live in it. Oh, good for you. I'm doing it. Yeah. But I did so much work. I mean, I personalized it in a way that like, you know, it was difficult. When I moved out, my gosh, the emotion I had around that. Oh. I wasn't prepared I, for that. Because you put so much into that. I mean, you... I remember when you first moved in, you were putting in that <laughs> the, that reclaimed wood wall where your bar right. was, like behind your sofa. And Still reclaimed wood there, but someone else is living in it, and they love it, so that works out. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, but like, imagine you trying to sell that place, like mm-hmm. how hard that would be. And so, when I'm meeting with families who, you know, maybe they're they're going through. It's crazy. What I mean, it's people go through so many different things that may cause them to sell a house. Maybe they lost their job. Maybe they got a new job and they're getting something bigger or mm-hmm. a lot of times people are going through a divorce. And so when I meet with them, it's a very oh, gosh, emotional I can't imagine that thing. Way. And so walking through their house and being like, Oh, you know, you really need to take down those curtains. <laughs> it's not oh going to photograph as well. And then they'll just break down crying and be like, those are my ex-husband, grandma. She made those for us. And there's oh. just a lot of emotion when people are selling houses. And so, um, yeah, getting the space ready um, for someone who's selling a house is, is a difficult process. So what I'm realizing, um, and I know that you and uh, some of our friends have talked about, like, what the concept of the show is, like, the reality and the realization that, like, when we're making space, whether it's in a religious community or even, like, a bar, like you just mentioned a bar, and I think about McMinimins and how they do such a great mm-hmm. job of creating different spaces. Mm-hmm. The truth is, is like, 
when you're coming in to create a space, being aware of the emotional value or attachment to things. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have never thought about as staging how that can feel like a removal of a story and you know the beginning of something new, right? There has to be death for resurrection is something I always say when I'm having to do something difficult like this. But you're in some ways, I'm, I'm going to use a word that you're going to be real uncomfortable with for a second. You're in some ways like pastoring these people into the next thing, right? When you're meeting with a client to help them think about staging the space, if you're meeting with the client versus the real estate agent, I mean, there is some real, I didn't even realize that you're having to sort of walk people through the letting go of things, which is actually like letting go, right? Yeah, I guess I've never thought about it like that. Um, But it is, it is, it's a transition in their life that I kind of get to be a part of. And whether it's a really good time in their life, maybe they're having kids and, you know, moving to a bigger home out of an apartment or, um, you know, a husband died. I mean, I can think of this woman who was moving out of her apartment because her husband died and they had done all this work to it. And it was just, it's an emotional time. And it's, um, you know, as much as it is my job in a business I work for, it is kind of special to be a part of that um, and get to walk people through it for sure. Something so intimate as our home or our spaces that we gather, right? Like, I think we we don't put enough stock or value into the fact that, like, it is so intimate to have people in the spaces that we value. Mm-hmm. Um, having someone in your home really is, like, an intimate uh, experience. And I think when you're having someone into the home for uh, almost an evalu- like an evaluation, that's mm-hmm. got to feel so vulnerable for people. Um, it and I is, think, and it's really yeah. funny. Like, when I'll meet with people the, a lot, most of the time, I would say 85% of the time, they throw out apologies. They're like, mm. oh, my gosh, it's a mess. Oh, my gosh, I know this wall's a terrible color. Um, you know, I know we need to read you the fourth. They... There's, there, you sense that insecurity when you walk in. Half the time they're, you know, maybe in the, they're in the middle of already packing up. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, we don't normally live like this. It's crazy. I'm so sorry. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, it is a vulnerable space to come in. I mean, it's, yeah, it's their home. <laughs> <laughs> when you're staging, do you use, like, half of, do you ever use their things, their items? Is it often their items? Or is it items that you're um, bringing in that are not items that are theirs? I would say 90% of the time it's things that aren't theirs. You know, Mm -hmm. we have a warehouse that's all, you know, our stuff that we've kind of curated and kind of move in and out of houses. Um, But occasionally it is their things that we use. You know, we will, um, you know, for a number of reasons, if they need to live in the house while it's on the market, you know, if they can't afford, you know, to stay in an Airbnb or don't have another place, then they'll live in the house. And in that case, we'll go, okay, then what are the pieces in the home that you need to live with? Like, what do you need? You need your bed. You know, there's some things that you need. And there's some pieces that we can integrate into our design. And so, um, yeah. And so we will go through and kind of evaluate their pieces and 
then we'll supplement with um, with our stuff and kind of make a collaboration of stuff to where it all looks cohesive and um, and nice. But we always tell them when we do that, you know, we kind of have this list of things to eliminate from the house, mm. like um, scent. Like I'm a huge candle. Person. Oh yeah, I know I this always... about you. I know this about you. I am too. We both have a candle addiction, and not like cheap candles. Oh no, no, we're no, no, gonna no. go get an like a word. If you put the word crafted or artisan, like oh, this is an artisan candle. Yes, I will mm-hmm. actually buy mm-hmm. that. Thank you. Oh yeah, I'll take four of those because that's gonna be my signature scent for the fall. Like right. I think it's it's important. <laughs> I think when you go into a space to when it's your personal space. I feel like having a theme or a smell is, is a really important part of it. I think David Rose mentions it on Schitt's Creek. That uh, literally part of branding. My favorite show, but keep going. <laughs> but it is. It's a big part of your personal space. But when we're staging a home, we want to eliminate all of that. Like if, you know, say somebody hates, the smell of gardenia or something. We don't want a gardenia <laughs> candle going in there. It's going to take them out of that moment. And so when people are coming into these spaces to potentially move in or something, we just want a neutral smell. We don't want fresh baked cookies. We don't want, you know. I think people don't realize the cognitive connection between um, smell or sight or, like, we have all these connections, Um sense memory that like brings us back to when I was st- uh, studying acting and we would talk about like, okay, you need to get into this emotion. You don't just go to like, okay, well, what does that feel like? Like, what do I feel? No, you know, like what, when I was experiencing that emotion in the past, have I smelled, have I seen, have I thought? And it's mm-hmm. like, you go through all your senses because you're, you're a, a whole person. Um, and, you know, obviously for folks who have disabilities, like other senses become so strong, but it's interesting how even sense for people, like they may not even know why they don't want to be in that home, but there's something about that home they don't like. And it might be that like, definitely this is a Jasmine gardenia situation and I don't know it, but I hate this. <laughs> totally. And isn't it funny? Like you can think of even like say exes, like people you've dated that mm. had a cologne or, you know, something they felt like. Yes. And you'll be walking through Nordstrom and you'll smell it and it's like... How did you know it's Nordstrom? It's triggered. <laughs> I know <I'm> you. Triggered. <laughs> you do know me, that's true. Uh, this scent. But it is yeah, that's funny. true. It is funny just how um, senses can just... And then knowing to you, like, you may not have smelled that scent in years, and but then right. you'll smell it and you're automatically taken back. Yes. Good and bad. And so you're playing that, like, I can imagine that in your work for staging, like, that's a huge balance. Like, figuring out how to have, like, obviously, we don't want it to smell like the fresh paint on the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, but then some people walk in, and to them, that means this is a new place. Like, this feels mm. new. So it is interesting to find that balance. Um, and even colors, I mean, it's so interesting how polarizing colors can be. And so, like, <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. Remember, I work in church work, so, like, it's not that interesting. I know how polarizing <laughs> colors can be. It's like some people hate red. Like, they do not like red. I'm not a huge fan of red. Oh, my gosh, then, me neither. Is that I mean, one of your friends? Like, maybe so. I mean, 
In general, I would say I'm not a huge fan of color. If you walk through my house, me neither. It's pretty well, neutral. Can I just tell you, I uh, dated a guy a couple of years ago, maybe last year, who <laughs> said to me, "It's such an incredible human," but he said to me, "Your house is all white." and gold <laughs> this is the place that i currently rent but i like redid and he's like it's all i did like a wallpaper wall you would love it he's like it's all white and gold and wood and metal <laughs> and he goes is that on purpose i was like i your home looks like a yard sale <laughs> and don't let him shame you don't let him shame like, you neutrals are great <laughs> and i was like yes there are pops of color thank you um, the green from the vegetation, like the succulents. And this is like the stage that I'm in. Like before I was in grays and now I'm in white and gold. Like don't buddy. Um, you embrace that. <laughs> thank you. And he was like, was it on purpose? And I was like, Oh, we are not the same kind of human. Um, we are not. And not like in a judgy kind of way, but I, without even knowing like his home in a weird way, like his yard sale of a home was, mm-hmm people had just left furniture like he lived with a bunch of dude roommates and they just left their furniture and he would just keep it and it said to me like in a weird way it was like lack of intention and without even meaning to communicate that it was like oh i just kind of settle for whatever works and well that's fine and there's economic reasons why we do that like my furniture let me tell you is all on the cheap and i make it look high end because that's part of what i love to do um because that's a value of mine. It doesn't mean it needs to be everyone's value, but there is something. And sometimes like, even like an, I'm a tidy person, but mm-hmm. you know, a bit of a neat freak, but I'm not to the point where hopefully people feel like it's a home and people live there. Mm-hmm. And the goal of what you do sometimes is to like make it seem like people could live there, but people don't live there currently. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds kind of creepy. Um, but not yeah, it is. <laughs> No, it is. I mean, staging can be a little creepy, but um, (laughs) we try, like, when I do a house, like, I don't want to take them out at moment. So nothing fake in the house either. So, like, Mm. um, we wouldn't put, like, fake TVs on a wall or fake laptops on desks or something. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We love, like, it's, (laughs) I mean, when people come into a house, if they see a little laptop on a desk, they're going to push the buttons. It's going to take them out of the moment if they're like, oh. This looks like a MacBook Pro, but like I do that in <laughs> IKEA. Oh, exactly. I, have fake ones. I do it all the time. I'm like, this is not a real computer. As if anyone in there was like, I think we got her. <laughs> I'm like, guys, have tested. This is not real. Here comes <laughs> like, Sarah. <laughs> we're gonna pull one over on her. <laughs> Sorry, IKEA of Costa Mesa. I know what you're up to. <laughs> but it's true. Like, and even with like beds, like. We don't want to put fake mattresses now, or like blow-up mattresses. We'll put, like, actual mattresses in the bed, because we want them to have that, like, authentic experience and not take them out of, out of that. And I, I feel like my dad is the kind of guy who'd be like, let's see if this is a real mattress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like the equivalent of kicking a tire when you're buying a car. <laughs> yeah. No, it's totally true. Like, I want to go back to what you were saying about, um, oh, my gosh, what were you just saying? Oh, about seasons of life. Yeah. I love that you were saying you described your space now as this is the season of life I'm in now. I yeah. used to be like the grays, the cool colors. And you said now you're into like the gold, a little bit gold. warmer yeah. and bringing some whites. And I think that's 
that's an interesting thing to observe, I think, of all of our lives. I mean, obviously people, some people don't give as much thought to how they design or what's in their homes. But I think, well, like with you, like you can look back in your seasons of life and look at the art that you had on your wall or the accessories that you had. And it's, it's interesting to see how they progress through life. And, you know, maybe, you know, you're in, you know, you're bringing more green into your life in some part. And you can kind of look spiritually Both what's you and going I on can't in your life like at that green. time. Green. Oh, no. no. But yeah, like green has been, I mean, not in currently in my life, but um, although I have a green hat and like I'm, I'm warming up to the green colors. But yeah, there is this like, I mean, it's the only way I can explain the season when I went through like moons and suns in high school, right? Like we have to understand right. it was like a, a decorating season. And I think all of this, like the reason why I'm having all of these thoughts and conversations is that I didn't know that I was doing it um, in my, like it was so second nature to when I came into a church space, like when I was getting a new job or moving into a new church community that I was asked to serve or um, help grow, I would look at the space and I would think about like when I step into a space, does this feel like my grandma's church where there is no room for me to tell a story in it? Like I'm not mm-hmm. part of the story, but I can watch the story. Kind of like my grandparents' house let you know that it was their house. Like my grandparents are incredible. Oh, they were incredible people, but like their remotes were in plastic. Like you cannot touch those. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was a statement yeah. and a lot of churches that are like, particularly in my tradition were, um, you can't touch this. Everything is in, everything means something, everything, you know, which is lovely and wonderful if you're willing to tell the story mm-hmm. or, you know, the tradition that I know you were a part of for a long time, I'm outing you as someone who used to work in a church, like the mm-hmm. big box warehouse church experience is like, this fits anyone and it's right now and there's no history or story to the building. Mm-hmm. And I I think it's interesting to think about what space says um, and how we can both honor the people that are there and honor the people that are coming. Like, I, I think it's so similar to staging and designing. And you don't even know that you're doing it, but the more I've investigated and noticed, um, I see that like, oh, I was telling a story by when I made all the pews face inwards so we're looking at each other instead of me. That says something about hierarchy, right? <laughs> or when I said, let's take out these cushions because there was a certain scent with them. Right? Yeah, yeah, Let's totally. Honor what has been. What do you think when you think about sacred spaces? Because you've been in a lot of them. What do you think the biggest, like, both hurdle and gift is as someone who has it, always had a designer eye? Um, what, do you, what do you think about those sort of ideas? Oh, that's interesting. That's a really good question. I. I mean, you know, I used to work in a larger church in Southern California, and it was like that. The people were great. The church was great. Um, The spaces were either tents or kind of like you said, like warehouse style kind of boxes where the ambiance and the space was kind of created through, um, you know, strobe lights or lights or 
stage with a backdrop and screens and everything and staging um, staging yes it was very much um um trendy like get you know a lot of people in and get keep them entertained hmm. um whereas now i'm in a space where it's it's an older space it's there's some history to it there's and there's no right or wrong way, it, at least in a place of worship. I mean, you can worship anywhere. Um, but the season of life I'm in right now is that more historical, like, there's stories that have happened here. There's decades of mm. people who have moved here in and out of this space. There's families that have come and gone. And um, it has a different feel. And But with some of those, like, I'll talk to some people and they're like, the older style churches with the pews and the altar and, you know, the stained glass windows, that's super triggering for them. Right. Whether it be how they were raised. Um, you know, I have a friend who, um, yeah, was raised in a very, um, you know, very legalistic, you know, Catholic setting growing up. And when he steps into a church like that, he's triggered and he cannot feel comfortable. Mm. Um, and so it's it's just interesting how people, how their environments do affect their worship and how they, they sit in those spaces. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. I think the thing that has caused me to want to like dive into this work more is the realization that when I was doing the thing that was second nature to me, which was just like restoring and also adding, but keeping like this mm-hmm. dance, um, is that I was really trying to create space in a way that would say both we honor the past, but we recognize that something new needs to be reclaimed in this space. Mm. Um, And so like, yeah, this can be really triggering for some people, for other people, like we have like, you know, everyone's always asking me like, how do you have millennials in like a gothic church looking thing? And I'm like, because when you, exist in a world where you're not getting to experience um the ancient right Mm -hmm. like california like we're like this was built in 1984 let's put a plaque on it um (laughs) you know what i mean like uh we do have mission like our church is mission style and it's almost 100 years old and people are fascinated by it because it's in this like really cool art area but everything's pretty modern and the interesting thing is a lot of the uh, buildings that are going up around us are starting to mirror the look of the church. Mm. Um, right? Isn't that interesting? As we like redid it. But what I found most fascinating is I started to like refurbish little things. Like I moved kind of slow at first, but I didn't even know I was doing it. But it seemed like the best step to do in almost in ministry is that the energy of the community changed. Uh, they didn't feel as deflated as when the walls were kind of dark and and dingy. Um, It's so funny to me how paint or um, just even the way you, you know this, the way you move furniture or the way you like, you know, the thing that cleaning out a closet and saying Mm -hmm. like, we aren't going to have clutter in here because clutter Mm -hmm. breeds like, anxiety and anxiousness and and like that we're not using things and we're gonna make the sacred ordinary and the ordinary sacred and 
it's so fascinating to me that it's taken to this point in my career for me to realize that that actually is theologically saying something and providing an energy that I didn't realize, you know? I It always just like, why did I want everyone to face each other? Because I was tired of being a pastor who sat alone on a pew. So like, <laughs> at least if we can all be in it together, like it felt weird that any time, it didn't matter what pew I picked, like as soon as I sat on that, that was like the sacred pew. Um, and that feels weird to me. I want people to feel like they can move in the space and that there is sacredness to all spaces. And yeah, I, yeah. And I love how you, and I just, I mean, I haven't been to your new church. I was at your old one, um, in RSM, yeah. but, um, I love keeping up on your Instagram, how you're bringing people into those projects too. Like, Oh yeah. It's not you on a Sunday night. I mean, there's probably some nights that you're up there by yourself or working on projects, but <laughs> yeah. you're bringing in your people, like your flock into there to do it with you. So that if, when they have a purpose and see, um, when they put their energy into it, I think that's so special and it creates even more of a depth for them, you know, to want to worship there. I feel like there's an, there's an ownership and there's also like, I think that DIY culture is great. And mm-hmm. also a big problem. So I have this saying that I'm saying within this like branding of whatever it is that I feel like I'm being inviting into and making spaces like DIT, let's do it together. Because oh, DIY okay. means I can be at home and go on YouTube and discover how to do all these things. But mm-hmm. I'm not sitting under someone who's an expert in it who can teach me. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's never ever really been about the project. It's been about being with another human that can teach me. Um, and I, I love that. Right. And so I think about like, um, I learned to paint from my friend, Ted. Um, Ted is one of my best friends and he is in his seventies. Um, and I, I, as an growing up as someone who took art classes, I know how to paint. And then one day I was painting when I bought my condo and I had to just like call friends and be like, can people help me? Because I'm not the type of person that like, when I see a project, I do it right away. And I know a lot of people are like, oh yeah, like I've got a list of things. My punch list is like for tomorrow. Like I just like to like get in and get it done. I like to hang things on the wall. Like you poor soul. When I moved into my new place, I was like, where do I put my pictures? Come over and show me tonight. All of them go. Um, And so Ted was watching me roll a wall and he was like, that's not how you roll a wall. And he used to work for a paint company. So he taught me, right? And I could have kept doing it the way that I learned, but like there is not a time that I roll a paint wall where I don't think of Ted, this person who has like gifted me and like sat with me when I've gone through breakups or worried about like, am I good enough? Or like all this sort of stuff. Like Ted is one of my humans and we have spent hours and sometimes the best conversations we've had have been painting walls and he went with me to Mississippi after Katrina and we painted walls there and I think there's just this like sense of the giftedness of doing it together versus like do it by yourself and sometimes I forget because I like I like to do it tomorrow but I am not going to do it as well or I'm not going to and sometimes the hard part is sometimes you do it better by yourself but (laughs) I'm not going to do it as well if I don't like invite people into it. And I think that's the problem with DIY as a culture. Um, It's a problem with sometimes church stuff is like, 
one person makes all the decisions. And I think there's just this beautiful thing that's a invitation in church design that could be different. And sometimes, you know, there's like a lot of times I'm like, oh, that's not how I would have gone with that. But <laughs> like <laughs> the reality is it provides space for other people to breathe deeply and to be able to experience the divine in a way that like maybe <laughs> the way I was hoping to do it wasn't quite gonna hit it, you know? And I think it always yeah. opens the question of like, why is this here? When we just leave things, like I think I, I use the example of closets and um, that's kind of what we've been talking about with a lot of folks is like when someone has like a super cluttered space or closet, it suggests as if like um, there's no space for you to participate in the thing or that everyone else is in the know of where everything goes and what everything is and you can't volunteer or you can't like jump in. Mm -hmm. But when you walk into a closet that's labeled and you're new, you can say, oh, like I know where the crayons are. I know where the paint is. I know where the, you know, for our community. Oh, I know where the stuff that they use for different seasons, whatever it might be it invites people into the story. Cause like, I think design is about story. And I think, mm -hmm. like, I think about your, your homes that I've seen. So we both follow each other on Instagram. And also when we lived in proximity, I got to go to your mm -hmm. home and I loved your condo. Cause it, it just felt like a grown up space because decisions were made. And oh, it, thank you. like, it felt beautiful. And like also the candles, um, There's always a candle. Right. <laughs> I think design and staging, whatever it might be, it, it really does invite people to have an experience, um, whether we realize it or not. And people may not stop and think about it, but I think the problem with a lot of our more inclusive spaces is we, it's the last thing we're thinking about, but what we don't mm -hmm. realize is we're not inviting more people into this story because they feel like, oh, this is not the space for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I think, yeah, you're exactly right. Like creating spaces is, it's creating welcoming spaces that people, whoever they are, are going to come in and feel welcomed. And that, you know, if you're the host that you have given forethought to who's coming, um, how, I mean, there's so much that goes into it, the lighting of it, you know, the smell, the scent. I mean, all those things are going to affect how comfortable they feel in your space, whether it's your home or, you know, in your case, your church or when your volunteers come to your church, into the church closet. You know, if, mm -hmm. if it feels like the way has been prepared for them and that you've been expecting their arrival, mm. there's a different, um, they're going to have a different experience in that space, I feel like. Oh, I love that. They're, you're expecting their arrival. Um, that's a that's a big feeling. Not that you're like, which pew or what chair do I sit in? What do I do? Mm -hmm. Like, are you expecting people to not just like come and be a guest, but come and participate? Yeah. And not in like a weird like sit up front. You're new. Um, 
<laughs> which I've seen it. I wish I could say I hadn't. Um, that's one of the gifts of like not only having a local church, but being a speaker is that when I go around the country, I'm like, oh, wow. Like I'm a pastor and I feel weird in this moment. Like you're asking me to sit in the very front. Cool. Um, what are like, as you think about, I love, I, I still am like, you know, even into this conversation, thinking about, about that bar that you talked about where intimacy happens. Uh-huh. You got to come out here. I'll take you there. <laughs> oh, I'd love it. I will. I promise. I'm actually headed to Portland at the end of the month, but maybe I'll make a little Seattle stop. Yeah, um, I'll be here. Yay. Um, when you think about like, what is like one thing people who listen, people who are like thinking about their own space, whether it's their home or a coffee shop or they have a bar or they have a church community or they have a synagogue or a community space. Like what is like one thing if people are thinking about making space for other people and because you're like an official designer, you can choose like more than one, but what is, what are some things or one thing you can think of that people could easily do to make it seem like they were like expecting someone to come? Hmm. I mean, there's a few like practical things that are very people need practical, but Uh, they don't have to be spiritual. That's my job. (laughs) Like having, and I understand this would be hard, like in the church, but having things facing the entrance, Mm. like you feel welcomed in. Like if you walk into a home and it's the back of a sofa or you, you know, say you're going to somebody's house for a party and you may not even think about it. It could be the, you know, the most gracious couple. But if you walk into the back of a sofa into a room, there's automatically this separation. It's not a welcoming feeling, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. Um, and so if there is a way, and I know like in apartments, every house is different, but if you can orient your furniture toward the entrance, mm. I think it makes a huge difference as you walk into the space. And, you know, if you're, you know, having you know, an event at the church at night, or, you know, if you're hosting a party with some friends at night, um, lighting is super important. Turn off your overhead lights, turn off your can lights in your living room, and just have lamps on. Have some candles going. Just have some something that isn't as... With not an aggressive scent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, with not an aggressive scent. A very neutral scent, but it can be your signature scent. I'm all about having... (laughs) Homes that have signature scents, not for okay. staging, but for personal. I think it's important. Side note, nothing to do with staging, but uh, the la- too much information, whatever. This show is going to be all about my authenticity. I was dating a guy who had a day scent and a night scent, and I just thought that was the greatest thing. That is, a, I'm going to steal that. Yeah, he had a day scent, like, oh no, like this is the scent I wear <laughs> for my day, like at work, like yeah. when I'm which was an incredible scent. And then he had a night scent that was like, oh no, this is like my evening scent. And I think it like helped his brain and like <laughs> in a weird way be like, this is what I, this is the evening. This is the daytime. <laughs> I don't know if it was like business and party scent. I don't know. Um, but I think there is a thing to having like a signature scent or having like a scent that feels warm. Mm-hmm. The difficulty is allergies. Within church settings, it's like we cannot have all the allergies. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've sung in a lot of choirs, and <laughs> a lot, you always have to tell, I don't want to stereotype, but the older women 
or anybody. I'm not going to say. Is it the rose smell? Tell me it's the rose smell. It's just over scenting. And Mm -hmm. rose, I will say, (laughs) I'm onto a new rose scent right now that's amazing. (laughs) Um, I never thought I would love rose. Everything old is new again. I love it. La Labo. It's a fragrance. You can get it in Nordstrom. Um, of course you do. They have a rose scent, <laughs> and it's a cologne. I think it's it's guys and girls, and they make I think candles and stuff. You got to smell it, Sarah. It's it's amazing. Um, but what am I doing this evening? It's a Friday night. I got time to go smell candles <laughs> and people. Go do some candle shopping. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love how everything we've talked about has gone back to candles. Um, but literally, my life. <laughs> Yes, people are allergic to smells. If you're in a choir, don't put on your perfume, don't put on your cologne. You're going to be around a lot of people. <laughs> but I think being intentional with like lighting and whether the candle's scented or not, there mm-hmm. is something that's um, that word that you kept saying earlier. Because I think intimate and um, you said basically like people are drawn into more intimate conversations in the space. Mm-hmm. And I think even the idea of like is your space so big that people aren't near each other i think there's nothing sadder i've gone to a lot of these churches and more historic buildings and you see like 25 people sitting in like you know pews that you know fit 250 and i think you're like Mm -hmm. man you're five years away from becoming a museum so how Mm -hmm. can we but the gift of like intimacy And I think people think they have to like make it super modern and make it super cool. Like, you know, earlier I mentioned uh, the idea of McMinimans. They take these spaces and they make them kitschy. They're Mm -hmm. like not trying to be anything but what they already were. Mm -hmm. But they're making spaces for people to be in them. So Mm -hmm. someone who may have an ultra modern home may want to go to a church community or whatever it might be where if it's not cluttered, if it's not over the top design to the point where they don't feel comfortable, if it provides a an invitation to intimacy, like people mm-hmm. will, I think people respond to that, whether they know they're doing it or not. Oh, for sure. I mean, if people who have really stressful jobs during the day and they're dealing with a lot of people, they want their homes or their churches, the, place they, the places they choose to go to, to be they might want it to be really calm and serene. And I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is interesting how people, um, I was listening to another design podcast and they were Oh, I'm so glad for, there's other ones. Cause I looked around for them. I was like, there's not design podcasts. I was like, Oh, cause it's a visual medium. <laughs> I'll tell you though, my friend just got me started on this design podcast. that is phenomenal. I really, they're based on Salt Lake city. Um, it's called Alice Lane Interiors. Okay, I can't wait. I'm I'm gonna listen to this. It is This is free marketing we're giving them. I can't wait. You'll be friends with them from the first episode. Like they're super cool. They're these girls who um have a have a business in Salt Lake City and they do these beautiful homes. Um mm. but their podcast is so practical. They're like, This is what you should spend money on. This is what you should <sighs> go cheap on this is how we design a room this is our process they're just they're super cool and i've learned a lot from them and they give you like practical um you know stores to go to instagrams to follow pinterest to follow and stuff so yeah you should look at alice lane interiors they're great i can't wait that will be in the show notes friends <laughs> and i'm not getting paid to do that so no hopefully they'll get they'll have the little shout out 
I think I was listening to something about how they were preparing their home for a Christmas party and how they, you know, had somebody at the front door, like that they, you know, a friend of a friend that they hired to come in and just give compliments to people as they walked into the space. Like, Stop it. thanks so much for coming to this Christmas party. Oh my gosh, I love your shoes or something like that, to where they're walking in with their head held a little bit higher. And mm. when I was listening to that, I was like, oh my gosh, that reminds me of every church I've visited. Like, you have people handing out, you know, the bulletins out front or people greeting people as they come to church. And like, that's such an important part of uh. welcoming people in. Just a little compliment when they walk in. Like, oh my gosh, you look so great today. I love your hair. I mean, just any kind of compliment. But it has to be authentic because I definitely walked into mm. the church that you further worked at formerly worked at and I was like oh that feels weird <laughs> like you're so cute and I was like I don't feel good about this moment <laughs> this is weird yeah yeah don't be creepy about it and make it be a genuine compliment but I do think it is to be seen know, it, right it's about yeah, being seen totally and it's you know whether it's a church with 20 people coming in or 200 people um you want to be seen and you want to feel you want to feel like I said before that a place was prepared for you <laughs> to quote yeah. Jesus, or did Jesus <laughs> <say that? laughs> you can totally quote Jesus I love that nobody asks about like whether or not they can cuss the thing they ask is can I quote Jesus on this yes <laughs> <laughs> am I able to is this like explicit content um but yeah I think having people come into spaces and feeling like it was prepared for them is Oh. can go in a lot of different ways, but it's, it's a really important thing to just think about. And there's, It's intentional. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's this thing, too, about authentically you. I think so often I go into churches, and I have the same experience where people, like, apologize, like, oh, I'm sorry that this looks like this and this is that and whatever. Um, and I don't know how I became, like, a random church designer. Um, <laughs> but people are like, oh, like, I've seen your stuff. Can you, like, help me when I look at this? Um but the thing is, is like, I always say, like, you've got like, you, there's a you to thisness. Like, this is a you thing. So let's mm-hmm. figure out like how we can do you in a way that is both authentically you and offers space for something else. And that's the thing where you can be like super practical. Um, you can give people like, you know, make sure that things are movable. So they're not just telling one story. Make sure that people mm-hmm. are facing each other. Make sure that it's not you know, um, whatever it might be for what you're trying to experience. But I think the overall um, making spaces feeling is about how are you making it so that people can see each other, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and to what... embrace the imperfections. Like, mm-hmm. like when you were talking about, like when you have volunteers come in and do something, you know, if Sharon comes in, and Sharon's amazing and she spills coffee all the time and I love her. Sharon, I've never actually talked about you. He just took that name out of the blue, but I thought it was funny. Do you really have a Sharon? She's the best. Yeah. Oh, then I'll just make this little I baptized her when she turned 70. She's the best. Oh my gosh. Well, say Sharon's coming in and she's painting a room for you. And, you know, maybe you're more of a perfectionist and she's not getting her corners as... Fair enough. Mm-hmm. You know, but every time, let her do it. And every time you walk in that room and see that little corner that got missed, you're going to think of Sharon and mm-hmm. how precious she is. And how <laughs> she's not the best painter, maybe, but you're gonna, it's going to take you back to that time. And 
just little things like that, whether they were finishing furniture for you or something, just objects are going to bring objects like sense are going to bring back memories and feelings. And, um, I just think it's so cool what you're doing and bringing people Thank into you. those spaces to redo it because yeah, I mean, they're going to be a part of it. And when you see that table that so-and-so helped you refinish, they're a part of the story of that now. So anytime it's you're sharing something off that, exactly. And I don't think there are many spaces for people to leave legacies anymore. I think that's actually kind of why there's a lot of like shared discontent or anxiety is that people are afraid, like, is what I'm doing even going to matter? Because so much is disposable. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when we refinish or refurbish or reuse or repurpose, um, it really is resurrection. Like it's an opportunity to say, yeah, there's lots of things that are, um, you know, able to be thrown away and are disposable, but you're not one of those things. And the gifts that you give are not one of those things. And we can stage this in such a way that other people know that they can come and be part of this. So it's not like a set thing, like once that thing is done, like, because once the corner that never got painted, once I'm gone and once those folks around are gone, like that corner's not going to make any sense. So how do we make that story versus that thing sacred to the point where we can change it but Mm -hmm. we know the feeling of it you know what I mean Um, Mm -hmm. because I inherited a building that had so many sacred spaces that were decaying and not honoring the people that they meant to honor and I think how much more honoring is it for space to be used but for the story not to be gone and I think it's been Yeah, it's an incredible thing, and my hope is that as people listen to this, they hear that um, both they need a day and an evening scent. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, No, I hope that they hear, like, whatever your space is and whatever budget you have and whatever um, materials you have and skill levels you have, because I don't have tons of skill levels, that there is an opportunity for you to make it both completely you and invitational. Mm-hmm. I love your idea, Riley, of like, does when you walk in, are things facing you or are you feeling like you're joining something that's already happening? Mm-hmm. Are you are people when they see you saying something unique to you? And even if it isn't a compliment, is it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, whatever it may be. It's so cold outside. You look cold, like acknowledging yeah. another human because we just go through life so often not. Um, and paying attention to like, is it super bright, which makes people feel like they're being interrogated or is it dark enough that people can cry if they need to cry in the space or whatever it may be, um, being intentional, people will feel that and you're not always going to get it right, but people are going to feel that you tried. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty of all of it. Are there any last thoughts? Thank you so much for your time, by the way. I know that like, uh, I can't wait to have you back on again with like more specific questions. But as we start like building this thing, like their realization, like I have designer friends is just so fun for me. Is there (laughs) anything that you would like to think or add or that you want people to hear other than incredible podcast suggestions? Oh yeah. Um, No, it's, it was so good talking to you. It's, 
I love that I, I didn't intentionally want to text or talk to you much this week because I wanted us to like catch up right I now know, <laughs> like, me all too. At one time. Um, so it's so good to talk to you again. Um, and I love that you're doing this. I love that you're documenting. I love the story of your church and how you stepped into that space, which had a story going, mm-hmm. but you stepped in and you're the new caretaker of that story for that place. And I love seeing how you're documenting that and, um, and bringing people into it and, you know, seeing this new birth that's coming out of it and this new energy in there. And, um, please keep posting. Please keep sharing pictures. I know, I've got so many more. The problem is, is like when I, so I've been there four years. Um, uh-huh. and when I started, it was just like there was so much work to do that I didn't want to like catch it all. I wasn't thinking through that this our story could be bigger than our community. But then mm-hmm. as I would post things about like the little things that I was doing, people's response has been insane. And not just like not even just people who work in churches, but like, oh my gosh, I work at this building and blah, whatever it might be. And so I felt like I wish I had started like <laughs> you'll never know how bad it was. Um, but there are, um, I wish I had captured more of the moments, but I need to just do a better job of sharing them because I didn't, you sometimes wonder like, does this matter to people? But the response says, yeah, yeah, it does to people. There, There is something that all of us are yearning for, whether we realize it or not, in, in spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mixing the old with the new. That's what I love about what you're doing is like, you're taking the old, you're refurbishing it, you're making it new and useful again. And, um, I think that's important, whether it's your home or a place of worship. Like, you want, there's history. There's history with everything, and bringing that all together is really important. Yeah, and it's interesting to me how much, like, young people value that. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't think people expect that, but randomly, like, the coolest thing you may have is the thing that you're like, I don't know, we should turn this into a warehouse. No, like, there's a story that this tells that people haven't heard before if you have a warehouse what would it look like to have artists help you make it into something other than that you know yeah absolutely i hope you enjoyed my conversation with riley it left me asking the question how am i making space for people to see each other and how am i thinking through what i need to remove so people could see their stories in a space this week's inspiring quote is from none other than the queen of organization marie kondo this might be inspiring to those of you who are finding yourselves having to work from home suddenly Tidying your physical space allows you to tend to your psychological space. Making Spaces introduction music is It Can Be Done by Ari via Epidemic Sound, editing by Stephen Burnett from Cult Podcast, Attention to Detail by Katie Richardson. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or however it is that you listen to podcasts. And if you would leave us a rating, that would be so helpful for others to find the show. Again, thanks so much for listening.